What's going on, family? Today is Wednesday, December 6th, and you have just tuned in to Case Catholic Radio. As always, I'm your host, Steve Perry, and as never, it has been over two weeks since the last time we got out an episode. So, as far as I've got, as far as I'm concerned, we've got ground to make up for. With that said, I think it's only fair if our topic for today is one that's really prevalent, one that, as I think a lot of Catholics can attest to, we get asked a lot. Namely, why is it that all of our priests are men? As is often the case with just about all of our podcasts, these conversations go way deeper than we can cover in a 15-minute one-way conversation. And that's probably more true of this topic than of many that we've talked about so far. So with that said, I wanted to take this opportunity to give you guys the tools to understand why the church is built this way, and also to give you the tools to respond in charity if and when you have this question asked of you. With that said, let's get started. I think the best way to begin this conversation is to make a clarification. Since the Second Vatican Council, the Church has constantly emphasized that when we are baptized, we are all, men and women, brought into Christ in his three roles as priest, prophet, and king. Which means that all of the baptized share in the priesthood of Christ. What I mean when I say this is we all have a part in making ourselves and making the world an offering to God the Father to be priests in that sense. This is called the baptismal priesthood. Now, among we baptized priests, some men are ordained to a particular form of that priesthood, which we call the ministerial priesthood in which they are graced with the ability to celebrate sacraments and fitted with the yoke of leading Christian communities more deeply to Christ the Good Shepherd. So as a preface to this conversation, bear in mind that we all share in the priesthood of Christ. The ministerial priesthood that we're talking about today is a particular way of living into that identity. With that said, I want to share with you guys a quote by Pope Francis from his encyclical, The Joy of the Gospel. He says, The reservation of the priesthood to males as a sign of Christ the spouse who gives himself in the Eucharist is not a question open to discussion, but it can prove especially divisive if sacramental power is too closely identified with power in general. It must be remembered that when we speak of sacramental power, we are in the realm of function, not that of dignity or holiness. Our great dignity derives from baptism. I think that this is an important place to begin because what Pope Francis says here goes a long way toward bringing the heavy, the heavy emotions that are often involved with these conversations down. So often when someone is asking about the all-male priesthood, it is essentially an accusation that the church is patriarchal and that women are considered second-class Christians among Catholics. And the fact that Pope Francis reminds us that to be called to the priesthood is to be called into a role in the church and not to be elevated or placed on a pedestal above your peers as possessing greater dignity or holiness gives us language to debunk that myth, to debunk that accusation. But that alone doesn't answer the big question. 
one can still ask of us, even having heard this from Pope Francis, if sacramental power is a question of function, why has the church continued to restrict availability of this function to just males when so many other Christian communities open their pastoral roles to women as well? Well, the short answer is probably what you've already heard if you've heard any answer to this question. In the Gospels, we hear Jesus say that he, the Son, only does what he sees the Father doing. The Church has a similar relationship to the Son. She only does what she sees the Son doing. Or in other words, the Church, seeing that her head Christ chose to confer what we now know as sacramental power only on his apostles, on men alone, must follow in his example. That's the short answer. However, answering in this way usually opens up a whole slew more questions or counter-arguments. So what we're going to do is we're going to take those questions, those counter-arguments, seriously and respond to them. So depending on the person's belief about Christ, there are a couple of responses that often come up here. Those who don't believe that Christ is divine often contend that he was as subject to the patriarchal culture in which he grew up as anyone else. And it is solely as a consequence of his Jewish upbringing in the Roman Empire that he chose all men to lead his people as priests after he died. That's an idea, but not one that is particularly relevant to the church or honestly to any believers. Right? Because we who know that Christ, while fully man, was also fully divine and, as we said earlier, only does what he sees the Father doing, we know that the foundation of the church and its organization was a divine plan, and we know that Christ in executing this plan was not coerced by the force of cultural influence. So, for believers, this response as criticism of the church's all-male priesthood doesn't hold much water. Among those who do believe in the divinity of Christ, you'll find many who believe that choosing all males to have a sacramental function of priests is a decision that Christ made out of expedience, knowing that the people to which the apostles were to spread the gospel and who they were to baptize would be more receptive to the message if it were preached by men rather than women. This would make a lot of sense, right? Jesus is the word of God and surely would have known the most efficient way to bring people into his body, the church. It would make a lot of sense until you consider the fact that nothing Jesus does in the Gospels is expedient. And then, with that in mind, you look at the men that he actually chose. The apostles weren't kings, they weren't Pharisees, they weren't orators, philosophers, or anyone with influence in either the Jewish or Gentile world. No, the men he chose were fishermen, tax collectors, simple people. If he wanted to build his church the easy way, he chose the wrong guys. So, if the reason Christ chose to confer sacramental power on only men wasn't that he was culturally influenced, and wasn't that he was trying to build the kingdom in the easiest, most efficient way, then why did he do it? You ready for this? The true answer is that this is a mystery hidden in the mind of God. Now, that's not to say that theologians throughout the ages haven't forwarded ideas about this that make sense, some that are really beautiful, some that 
point to the biological differences between men and women and forward that there are spiritual differences which correspond to them. And maybe we can talk about some of those in the future podcast to kind of unpack this a little bit more. But the fact is, to my knowledge, as many ideas as saints, bishops, and theologians have come up with in regards to this question, the church has never pointed at one of them and said, this is the definitive and totally comprehensive answer. Here's where we get to the interesting part. The fact that God alone knows why the whole reason why he chose only men for this role is precisely why the church cannot ordain women. Why the church, according to St. John Paul II, has no authority whatsoever to confer priestly ordination on women. And why Pope Francis confirms, as we read earlier, that this isn't a question open to debate. Because the reasons that God incarnate chose to confer this sacramental function on men alone are known only to him, we don't have the competency to decide that those reasons are no longer relevant. And as Catholics, we trust that his reasons weren't temporal, transient, or passing. Otherwise, he probably would have let us know that. But they have something to do with his eternal plan and with him making us, as Genesis tells us, man and woman. Now, gentlemen, lest we start puffing our chests or saying to our sisters, Ha! Dad likes us better. There's something we should consider as the ones chosen to fill this role. I've told you guys before on this podcast that one of my favorite things about reading the Old Testament is that it takes place over such a long time that when you read it, you get a little glimpse into God's personality. And one thing that the, whole, that the Old Testament shows us about God unmistakably is that his preference is to elevate the small, the unfitting, and the useless to important roles. Think about it. He chooses Abraham, a man with no children and a barren wife, to be the father of all of his people. He chooses Israel, an enslaved people with no agency, to first reveal his name and his holy will to. He chooses figures like Moses, who has a speech impediment, David, who's small and unassuming, and Jeremiah, who's a young man who hardly knows how to speak, to be leaders among his people. Personally, I believe that it is in this same vein that God chooses us, God chooses men, to be his priests. We, who are the lesser sex when it comes to being nurturing and pastoral, we who are prone to seek power rather than to seek to serve, and we who, modern research has shown, are on average less intelligent than our sisters. All this is to say, if merit or fittingness had anything to do with why Christ chose to raise up priests from among men alone, I think it's very safe to say that it is not because we are the more fitting. Guys, this is just going to be the beginning of our conversation on this question because I think it's a little unfair to say to a question this big, it's a mystery, and leave it at that. So what we'll do in our next podcast is we'll look in depth into the explanation of this that makes the most sense to me that I think is true. And in the meantime, if you've got any, if you've got any more questions about this, feel free to send me an email or to set up a time to meet with me. 
Coffee or food is always on me. Anyway, in other Newman news, our last Newman night of the semester is coming up this week. Coming up tomorrow, actually. Uh, we're going to have Father Joe Previtt from Holy Rosary speaking to us on the Incarnation and Christmas in order to prepare us to celebrate the holiday in just a couple of weeks now. And in addition to that, we've got two special events coming up. This Saturday after the 5 p.m. Vigil Mass, around 6.15, and it's going to be in the Interface Center, we're going to be having a Christmas party. And going to be a lot of fun, and I want to emphasize that any of you who haven't necessarily been super involved with Newman this semester, you are especially invited to join in on this party. It's a great way to get to know the students that we have and, and to hopefully get a little bit more involved with our community uh, beginning next semester. And then something I'm really excited about is coming out this Monday. I think it's the last reading day for you guys. At 7 o'clock on Monday in the new Paris Center at Holy Rosary, we're going to have a holy hour of adoration and praise and worship. And we're really excited about this because it's the first time that we're doing it, but we're planning on doing it once a month. So if you guys want to be part of setting the trend, join us on 7 o'clock on Monday at Holy Rosary. With all that said and done, I hope that I'll see you guys at some of these events coming up. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Peace!